0: Take a step back and yourself with wonder. Oh, little child, you've got too much ahead to get yourself up. Our times will bring you under, but you'll be fine, just like your mama said.
1: hope you guys enjoyed that clip from my guest today, Corduroy Brown. What you heard was his current single, To My Younger Self. He has other singles out that you can stream on all platforms, but that is my one that got me involved in his music. And when I heard that opening riff, I was like, oh yeah, this dude is my jam. So anyways, got to sit down and talk to Mr. Brown today and it was a awesome podcast. The dude is super, super down to earth and I got to learn a whole lot about his story, his upbringing and how he ended up where he is today with music and just life in general. And let me tell you, if you've never listened to one of my podcasts from start to finish, this is the one to do so. One of the craziest stories I've ever heard. Um, It's both beautiful and terrifying, the things that he's gone through just in the last couple of years, all of which led up to this awesome collection of music that he's about to release in these next upcoming weeks so make sure to give him a follow on all social media platforms go download his music stream it and get prepared for that upcoming album august the 14th without further ado enjoy today's episode with alan corduroy brown Thank you all for stopping by. My name is Justin Gilly, and you're listening to the Rated JG Podcast.
0: Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Rated JG Podcast. I am sorry for the long delay, but I'm—I promise this one will be worth the wait. Uh, I have in the rated jg studios uh, via zoom (laughs) an awesome singer songwriter from west virginia that has a one of a kind sound to his music and certainly one of the craziest and most inspiring backstories that i've ever heard uh, which i won't go into too much detail hopefully he can uh, divulge all that later on today but um, i've got mr alan corduroy brown with me today and um, howdy howdy dude thanks so much for doing this man i'm super excited to have you on and uh, ready to hear all about what's going on with you just, I'm just going to prewarn you if you got questions you better ask them cuz I will talk forever. So Dude, that I'm all over that man. I got the gift of gab for sure so this will be fun. Nice. Um, <laughs> I wanted to start out by saying like one of the like there's a lot of positives and negatives that come from the social media platform but um this is certainly one of the positive ends is you know kind of coming across people and things that you maybe wouldn't have normally came across in your day-to-day life, which is exactly what happened with me and you in uh, regards to your music. Uh, I just happened to be, you know, on YouTube listening to, you know, whatever I was listening to and stumbled across you by chance. And dude, instantly I I was hooked, man. I was just such a, your style was such a breath of fresh air and something very unique. And it just caught my ear. And I started with to my younger self, which um, Mm -hmm, if, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken, that was kind of like your, your first single is that is that correct that was the first one that
0: was released it wasn't the first one that was written but um thanks for some stumbling along man that's really cool it's like you said it's kind of how the internet kind of sucks sometimes but it also is nice because you get to meet cool people occasionally and um but yeah man uh younger to my younger self is the first one that was released as corduroy brown technically i guess
1: Okay, so was there a prequel to uh, Corduroy Brown? Was there like a solo thing with Alan before that or?
0: Um, sort of, kind of, but more more probably known, at least through West Virginia, where I'm from. Um, there, I was in a band called The Dividends. And if you ever listen to like Amy Winehouse or anyone like that with like, you know, real R&B, jazzy, poppy stuff, um, I played guitar in that band for a few years. And uh you know, we had a trumpet player, we had a female lead uh, singer and everything. And uh, so that was kind of like really where I started getting to the more heavy, like on the road stuff and and really got deep into the kind of the music stuff, especially in West Virginia. It's called the dividends. Yeah.
1: Very cool. Okay. So how did the Corduroy Brown type thing uh, come about? Was that like just something that you wanted to venture out and do your own thing? Did you take any of the other people from the dividends with you on this venture?
0: Uh, yes and no. So, I mean, I've played music personally since 2008 and, um, I played in a lot of churches and a lot of different bands and a lot of just, you know, whatever, like someone would be like, Hey, we're going on the road to Virginia and Carolinas. We need a bass player. Do you want to do this? I'm like, yeah. Like, so I love that. I love music first of all, but, um, so Corduroy really started, uh, I mean around 2020, which was the wonderful year of the pandemic starting as well. So, um, you know, not a lot of shows, not a lot of anything, but the dividends had split up in 2019. Um, so, you know, I, was, I knew I wasn't going to stop playing music. Um, you know, that's, that's never going to happen. As long as I am able to, I'm always going to play. I think that's also one of the beautiful things about music is like, I don't know many, you know, 45 year old quarterbacks, many, I don't know how old Tom Brady is, but, right. you know, I'm only 30, I'm not 45 either, but I'm just saying when you, you can't exactly run up and down the field when you get older, but you can play music for a long, long time. I mean, think about like Willie Nelson and, you know, I don't remember how old B.B. King was before he passed, but I mean, they've been playing music from forever. And, uh, but anyway, yeah, man, Cold Roy started in like 2020 and, you know, there were so many talented people in the Huntington, West Virginia music scene. And, I stole a couple of them for my stuff for this and, but I'm also good friends with everyone in the band. So I guess technically I'm Corduroy, but the band is Corduroy Brown as well. So um, the band, the dividends that we were in actually um, is a a guy named Heath Holly was a trumpet player. And when the dividends split up, like, you know, he's kind of started his own band called Massing, M-A-S-S-I-N-G. I'd love to get them, those guys on here. And so uh, Corduroy and Massing have collaborated on a few things here and there and, have you know, got a couple singles that are coming out later on too. So uh, like I said, technically I stole some people from the dividends, but not quite at the same time.
1: Sure. Yeah. And uh, I definitely want to touch on the West Virginia thing in just a second because I'm, I'm from Texas. So I mm-hmm. think a lot of stereotypes come with both of those areas. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, we'll get to that in just a second. But man, I wanted to, I'm always curious. So um, you and I were kind of, messaging back and forth on Instagram to get this thing going. And I mentioned the fact that I have a lot of buddies that are musicians, super talented guys. I couldn't play you twinkle, twinkle, twinkle little star if you needed me to. I'm so not musically inclined, which is probably why I'm such just a a pure fan at heart. But like I, and a lot of my friends, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of, I don't want to say over, but um, I guess the music taste has evolved over the years. Um, I think there's a lot more, that has like the the scene across the board whether you're into country rock you know blues whatever it may be Mm -hmm. I feel like there's more of an emphasis that's put on like the general sentiment about like what's behind the music as far as lyrics are concerned as opposed to you know just putting a clap track out and you know (laughs) you know having the same chorus play eight times in a row which Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong Mm -hmm. with that you know music's you know you can consume it the way that you please but um Basically, after listening to your catalog, because like I mentioned, I went down the rabbit hole. I was like, Who in the world <laughs> is the Border Roy Brown guy? And I was like telling everybody about it. And so, oh man, you definitely got a bunch of fans down here in Texas. But um, Dude. basically, what I was getting at is like, you know, you're, I'm a sucker for lyrics. And uh, if I ever listen to a song and I feel like there's more that meets the eye, like I said, and more than just a catchy riff and a bass line or something like that, like I, I'm really sucked in. And uh, you know, by the looks of it, it seems like you're that way too. Um, based upon the limited sample size that 's available on streaming platforms, which uh, you 'll be changing that soon' yes, we'll also yes. touch on that so is, is your songwriting process you know is it based around like personal experiences or is it just whatever comes to you organically or does it change each time that you you know put pin to pad
0: yeah i think I think it the reason it took me so long to write this specific album uh, or music in general is because I want to mean every single word that i 'm saying i don 't want to just oh, that rhymed and that worked. So let's make that work. Okay, sure. Like it took me almost a year to finish this thing. And it's 13 tracks on this album, 12 or 13. I can't remember off the top of my head, but um, it took me so long. And and some of these songs were even started back in like 2017 and then I just let them sit around. Um, so there's a lot of life experience um, in these songs. I, I don't want them just to be like, don't get me wrong, like I wish I could write big pop songs that are just catchy and amazing. I wish I could get there, but I don't know that I could ever take the personal aspect out of it. It'd be hard for me. Like I, I admire people like Taylor Swift and Sia and people like that who can just write good pop songs, like from any perspective from, for any age group, like I wish I could do that. I just, I can't not write about personal stuff for sure.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, that, that completely rings true with what you're put out already like i said i think you have roughly four or five songs you can stream right now um Mm -hmm. and then the album is coming out august the 14th but Mm -hmm. um yeah man i just wanted to kind of touch on that a little bit and just tell you that it's uh very apparent that these weren't just you know words written down on a piece of paper like i can feel like you genuinely mean them and um like even your acoustic sessions that i've i've stumbled upon on youtube i'm like okay yeah this dude this wasn't just something that was handed to him and somebody said hey sing this like there was a little bit behind that so yeah yeah very cool. And, um, kind of parlaying that, like you are from West Virginia, which we just mentioned. Um, I'm, I'm from Texas and there is definitely a lot of the, you know, quote stereotypes that come along with that. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure people think that, you know, we, where I'm from, we go to work on horses and wear 10 gallon hats and nah. you know, the whole thing. But, um, do you feel any sort of pressure to like, kind of break that through your music? I guess, is that a, if, if you catch what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know that I feel pressure by it necessarily because like, uh, again, I'm from Huntington, West Virginia. Um, the music scene here is so vibrant. I think, like you said, there's stereotypes with West Virginia music or Appalachian music you hear and you think they're going to be acoustic guitars and mandolins and banjos and fiddles. And there's plenty of that. And I love it. I mean, like I've sat through so many bluegrass sets because those bluegrass musicians are incredible. Um, But the, and I'm sure it's like this in other places of West Virginia, but man, the music scene in Huntington, West Virginia is nuts. Like there are so many people doing like hip hop and, and like, you know, just all kind of like Weezer sounding music and like, um, just pop rock. Like, I mean, just everything like that, man, it's, it's pretty wild. So I don't think I've ever felt pressure to maybe break out of the mold. I just wanted to make music that hits me in the gut, like the stuff that I listen to um you know i grew up listening to cassette tapes of michael jackson and my first guitar i bought um i learned all the fly, fly leaf also is from texas from temple texas if you knew flyleaf leaf is um, yeah man they're about so, an hour away
1: from here so oh
0: man i have been anywhere within so like cincinnati ohio columbus ohio and stuff are big cities close to where i'm at and if that kind of we're like, if you could take the very Southern tip of Ohio and tap it against West Virginia, that's where I'm at. Just if you could see it on the map. So like anytime Flyleaf would come anywhere close three to five hours away, I'm there. And I grew up and in, in cut my teeth learning every Flyleaf album front to back. <laughs> so like, again, Michael Jackson, Flyleaf. I listen to a lot of female art, female front of bands, honestly, Paramore and not just like the misery business, Paramore, like, Talking like brand new eyes era, freaking self titled era, freaking no the after laughter era. Like I've been on all three Paramore cruises that they had. Uh, oh my know, gosh, I, I love like female artists. I mean, Miranda Lambert and Lights and freaking everybody, man. So yeah, I don't man. know. I just I just love music, man. I don't know. I I never felt any pressure there to answer the question again. It Was just just to break out of anything. I just wanted to make music that hit me in the gut, just like people's music hit me. So
1: yeah no doubt and i definitely i was gonna ask you based upon what you said about flyleaf i was under the impression that that was Haley williams the whole time oh, their, their, no. their sounds are very similar and like oh, i'm not a, no. i'm not a huge i'm not a huge paramour or flyleaf fan but i mean i, I can jam conversation <laughs> i can jam them though for sure my wife is a massive Paramore fan so she'll probably kill me when she hears me say that but um nice <laughs> from so from appalachia you know not necessarily just west virginia i am a personally I, I can only speak for myself but I'm, I'm a huge fan of everything pumping out of that area I mean mm-hmm. Sturgill Simpson Tyler Childers uh oh, Dray- yeah. Drayton Farley um I even had the pleasure of, of talking to Cole Cheney on here he's from Kentucky. yeah
0: Cole I work with Cole's uh I think stepdad yeah he's he's Cole's awesome
1: oh uh, yeah I mean and like those guys they're so um I guess you could say similar, but very different at the same time. Um, in mm-hmm, the sense of like mm-hmm. their music, if you have one on Pandora, it'll probably shuffle through all of their, you know, catalogs. Sure, yeah. Um, but like I mentioned, you know, your, your sound is so uniquely different from that, but you also uh, collaborated with somebody that reminds me a lot of those individuals, um, in Arlo McKinley and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Arlo is, is a monster. I think that he's just a songwriting, you know, savant and he, he's great at what oh, he does. My gosh, yeah. And then to have, you know, you and him get together on y'all's track, Secret War. Um, That was like, it was kind of cool because I wasn't expecting something like that. Uh, If you could kind of shed some light on that, how did y'all cross paths? Because I believe he's from Cincinnati, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's from Cincinnati, Ohio. But like right across the bridge is, um, what part of Kentucky am I thinking of? It's called Newport, I think. Yeah. So that's like, you know, Kentucky, Cincinnati. It's all kind of like the same thing over there, right, right where he's from, but so Arlo and I have been friends for a couple of years. Um, I work for an ad agency and one of my, with one of my friends, Josh McComas. and, uh, Josh was doing a lot of videos for Arlo and I would go on trips to Cincinnati with him. And that's how I met Arlo and, um, you know, playing in the band, the dividends and, and really getting on the road a little bit, you know, we kind of crossed paths with so many of the same people all the time. And I saw, uh, he would, God, he'd kill me. I won't tell the whole story, but, um, we were at a music festival and I gave Arlo a green Gatorade cause he was in desperate need of it. I'll just say that. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, that's just like, we've just ran into each other and been around so many of the same people. So I asked him, I said, man, I working on the album and here's a song. I would, man, if you'd be on it, like, I would, that would mean so much. And he immediately was like, dude, absolutely. Like, let's make it happen. And he came to Huntington. He was doing some videos, that stuff that night anyway, for just different promotions. And he came down and uh, we put together secret war, man. I mean, and it's funny, not, I actually haven't even told a lot of people this cause I don't know what happened to the original track, but originally, I, I think you're actually the first person I've told this. Um, there was a song I wrote called Ruby and it was like a slow kind of groggy, like, slower chill thing and it was awful. I hated it and <laughs> it was just so bad because I was trying to make it fit for something maybe Arlie would write instead of just writing the song that I wanted to write and I'm so glad we trashed that because it would have never touched Secret War at all so um, but yeah I mean I just remember writing one day about how lucky I felt through that whole day because nothing bad had happened. And, and I had so many things to be thankful about. And I remember looking down at the end of the day before I took my shoe off, I was like, Oh man, my shoes untied. And that sounds silly, but that's kind of where the lyric came from. It's like, you know, nothing's wrong, but these untied shoes, um, nothing was wrong except the whole day except man, my shoe came untied at the end of the day. Like that's the only thing I freaking complained about. And that's kind of where, where that first lyric came from. And, um, but there was more to it, as you know, the whole title secret war, um, you know Arlo he wrote his verse obviously and I think he and I were both ended up singing about people who didn't like care about us in our time of need or like only wanted us when we were doing really well and that's kind of that whole secret war thing is that kind of secret war that always is in your head especially if you're struggling with mental health stuff constantly.
1: Sure yeah man it's a beautiful song and you know Arlo's addition to it was just kind of like the icing on the cake because like if i feel like if you printed out those lyrics and read them from top to bottom like i mean that's just like a poem you know you could Mm -hmm. get just as much out of it by reading it and then hearing you guys sing it so that was huge fan of that track and and arlo as an artist as well i mean if everyone listening if you don't know who he is man go check him out because he's definitely uh um, somebody that is worth your time but um that's going to be on the uh, the upcoming album correct secret war Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. so the album is titled let me know and it's going to be released everywhere on August the 14th. And uh, like I said, before we started this, I've done my homework on you. Uh, so uh, you've said on, you know, you've gone on record by saying that this will have multiple appearances from many different people, all different walks of life. Um, if you could summarize uh, like your vision that you had for this album uh, how would you sum it up to somebody that has never heard of corduroy brown before like what what was your overall picture and, and and thought process behind putting this out
0: yeah so let me know is is that phrase and i think people say it without even realizing that they're saying it sometimes but i've been so fortunate in my life so much i mean from the as long as i can remember everyone in my entire life has always said and let me know if you need anything or like, let me know how I can help you. And I'm sure you've said that to people, like even in passing, like, Hey man, just let me know. And that phrase is like really stood out to me, especially recently where it's just like, I have so many people that care about me. And the, and I think I've struggled seeing that at times, but like now more than ever, I'm just so aware of everyone who has always been in my corner. So like, it made sense. It made absolute sense for people for this, for this album, just, to feature so many people and believe me, if I could have all the people that I have in my corner and that I care about on an album, it would be the never ending. It would be a 9 trillion song album, but, um, I got as many people as I could through COVID and stuff, especially, but like, check this out. My mom's on this album. My friend, Jacob McComas, who runs a barbershop is on this album. My friend's son, the guy that speaks at the end of secret war, his name's Brian Hayton. He's like my life mentor. He's like, um, he's like someone I look up to like crazy. And he's also a pastor and he also goes really hard on the mental health stuff. He's, he's obviously on secret war at the end there. He's like the monologue at the end. And then his son plays on a song called die happy. And I just remember hooking up like his son's guitar through a big Marshall half stack turned all the way up and just, he was nervous cause he never really played in front of people. And we were just coaching him through it. Cause he's like 12 or 13 or something. And, but, and, but just on top of that, I mean, there's so many people that have had their hands in this album musically and and people who aren't musicians and people that are doing the artwork and the animations and the graphic stuff. Like I, it just made sense. Like, let me know, like if you need anything and even down to the artwork, um, it has all these different faces on it. And it's
1: like, just let me know. Like that, that phrase just sticks out so much now. That's awesome, dude. And then to hear like, you know, an album is supposed to be that, you know, it's a collection of art, you know, and, and tell the story and to, I think kind of setting people up, doing stuff like this and letting them know the the overarching theme and background of what you're about to put out kind of almost in a way preps you for what to expect and maybe will change their perception of how they receive it as well as opposed to just, you mm-hmm. know, just kind of going through the track list. So that's a, that's really cool to know that there was a lot behind it, especially putting a, a year of your time into anything, you know, is, is, uh, is a long time. So I'm, I'm sure I speak for everybody when I say I can't wait for it, man. Thank but, you, thank you. I need to send you the. I don't know if I sent you everything, but I'll I'll send everything
0: your way. I want you to I want you to hear the whole thing as a as a whole piece. So I will give man, you an early preview.
1: I cannot wait, and I'm I'm really looking forward to a story that you have um about a song on your album. Uh, about if I'm not mistaken, it was with your friend Jeffrey, and yes. uh, about better on the ground. But I'll touch on that in just a second. Um, before we get into that, I feel like there's a definite. Um, we need to preface this with a very in-depth, I guess, situation that happened to you that is both terrifying and beautiful at the same time. Um, So your experience with COVID um, and the, you know, effects thereafter was certainly different than a lot of other people that have affected, you know, been affected by that. Um, If you could, you know, just kind of shed some light on how it changed your life and your perspective on music and everything in general and just kind of walk us through your journey with all that.
0: Absolutely, man. So yeah, back in January, I got COVID and COVID itself when I had it, it really wasn't horrible. It really was like, I mean, I felt cruddy, don't get me wrong. And I was off work for a few weeks, obviously, and all that. Um, felt like kind of like the flu in a way. But about a month later at the end of February, um, I remember going to the hospital or going to the doctor office and being like, hey, you know, my I haven't been eating very good and I've been really tired and I have like my lymph node on my side of my neck, super swollen, like I think I'm just going to get some antibiotics, hopefully. And like, that'll be fine. Two weeks later, no big deal. Take all your antibiotics. And um, that evolved very fast because I had been throwing up and this is on a Thursday. I've been throwing up. My kidneys were hurting really bad. I was kind of troubled breathing and keep in mind this is a month after COVID itself for me. And uh, so uh uh, they don't admit me in the hospital. They just give me some fluids and blah, blah, blah and say, hey, like, you know, we can't really find anything. What's wrong? I'm like, okay, sweet. So I call off work the next day because I'm still throwing up and it's, you know, I haven't eaten at all, blah, blah, blah. And I finally get admitted to the hospital and uh, it really went downhill from there. Um, you know, I was in the hospital from like Saturday to Tuesday and They were running so many tests, they couldn't figure out what was going on. You know, I was in kind of acute heart failure. My lungs were starting to kind of go, Uh, kidney and liver failure were all happening and uh, they didn't quite know what was going on yet. So, you know, I'm there from Saturday and we're going to Tuesday now, Tuesday morning and um, they're like, hey, Mr. Brown, we're going to have to give you some oxygen because your lungs aren't quite doing what they need to do. And I'm thinking, okay, what the heck is going on? like, still not sure. Uh, about an hour later, they're like, Hey, Mr. Brown, we have to put you on a ventilator. And I said, for what? Like, like, why? And they're like, you're, there's some stuff we don't know, we're gonna, we got to make you breathe, basically. Um, and I remember getting ready to be sedated, to be put on a ventilator. And then I wake up Thursday, and I'm in Morgantown, West Virginia, which is about three hours from here from Huntington and uh, they're like, Hey, Mr. Brown, you uh, you're in Morgantown and uh, you know, you're, and you wake up and I'm hooked to every possible machine. I've, I've never seen such a thing like this. Can't even move my body. There's so many things hooked up to me. And uh, I got put on life support. It's called ECMO, ECMO. And basically that takes your blood out of your body, reoxygenates it and pumps it through your body. So your heart doesn't have to work any harder than it needs to. And I apparently I died in the helicopter ride to Morgantown um, because when I landed, they said I was gone. And somehow I came back. I don't quite get that or understand yet, but um, it's crazy because, you know, people talk about like seeing a white light when they die. You hear about that in movies and all that stuff. And that's like a completely real thing. Like, I don't, I don't know. And it still sounds crazy to me sometimes to think about, but in the timing of it checks out. Cause like, I remember like getting ready to be put on an event. And then I remember seeing this, I remember seeing like this like completely infinite white, as far as you could see space. And I could, I was aware that my body was there. I could see my body, wherever the heck I was, I could see myself. And I could see like whatever was perceived at that time to be like my soul. It was almost like this little like ball or something. I don't, it's hard to explain. I can see it, but it's hard to explain. And I watched that little thing that was my soul, wherever the heck I was um, it started really close to me and then it then it just started going away from me like really slow and really 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 far until I couldn't see it anymore and keep in mind, this is just an infinite just infinitely white space and uh then I just then I wake up and and I don't know if if I woke up immediately and it was just like I don't feel like I just snapped out of it or anything but I remember that, and I was thinking to myself, "Did I? Was that real? Was that like a? Was that? A, was I like on my way to heaven or something? Like literally, where was I?" And they told me, "Like no, like when you landed, you were gone. Like you came back. <laughs> like you literally, my parent. To hear my parents tell it was horrifying because they drove up to Morgantown. They're flying up there, and they're like they they get there right after I land and." you know, they said that the nurses were hugging them saying, we're going to do everything we can, but he's gone. Jeez. And it's pretty unreal, man. Like, because I don't know how I woke up from that or how I came back because they measure this, like the way that they measure your heart output is called ejection fraction. Mm-hmm. And whenever someone has a great, perfect heart, you know, healthy, the prime number is 50. And then when people have heart attacks, that goes down to like the mid twenties and thirties. Well, mine was a 12, meaning mm-hmm. like it was not like if you, if you open a faucet or like pull the tap on a faucet, it was barely dripping. And Jeez. like I said, when I, when I left Huntington, West Virginia for the helicopter ride, which I didn't even get to enjoy. I've never been in a helicopter. And I didn't even get to enjoy it. Um, <laughs> I like, kind of bummed about that, but um I was in heart failure, liver failure, lung failure, and kidney failure. And so to wrap this up and, and kind of talk about the, wrap up the me- medical side of it, um, my body basically fought the antibodies that COVID made. And it's this thing called MIS-A. So uh, like multiple inflammatory system something. I don't know exactly what it is, but there's less, at the time in February, there's less than 40 people in the entire country that have had that. And my body reacted so violently and just sent everything into shock that my, my heart just quit. It said, I can't do anything about this. So I got to go. And I remember when I woke up, I had to sign papers saying like, Hey, we are going to put you on the transplant list. You might get a heart with hepatitis, but you're going to have a heart. You have to sign these papers. And I was like, I just, my dad said that I called him after that. I don't remember much of this, but he said, I called him crying because I just signed papers saying, oh, I might have to get a new heart with hepatitis potentially. So now it's, um, by the time we're recording this, it's July and everything is fine, I think. (laughs) Um, But man, let me tell you, you learn a lot when you're laying in those hospital beds. You learn a lot and you have regrets because you wish that you would have went after life a lot harder. You wish that you would have called those people more often and you wish that you would have, played that show that or went to your friend's show that you decided ah, I'm just going to take it easy tonight and you wish so many things you wish you didn't spend your time holding grudges against people and you just learn a lot, man. And um, it just, it, it, it's, it's a lot, man. I'm still kind of processing it because I'm 30 and my life was, really 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 close to being completely gone and i never would have got to do all the things that i said i was going to do when i was you know next the next day or the next weekend or the next
1: month oh my gosh man like that's yeah like i said i've i've read the you know the story that was out there about you but hearing you say that i've got like freaking goosebumps all over (laughs) me right now that's insane it's also insane that they had you being incoherent signing paperwork saying, Hey, you might get a diseased heart sign here and you don't even know where you're at and all like that. Yeah. That's nuts. But Oh my gosh, dude, I, I can't imagine what it's like to be, you know, confronted with your mortality in such a way and, you know, being so young, like it, I think that that has got to kind of, like you said, obviously change your perspective on things, but then when you wake up and you kind of have your bearings about you um, that is kind of a segue of where I was going with my next question. But, um, you know, I heard you tell a story about, uh, your, a song that was written, if I'm not mistaken by your friend Jeffrey, which is uh, going to mm-hmm. be on the album, which is uh, better on the ground. And yeah. that kind of all came about from the, the stupor that you were in, in between, you know, all of this, whenever you were just kind of waking up from all of that, could you kind of, I guess, shed some light on that as well?
0: Yeah. So I remember texting Jeffrey and Jeffrey is a, a master musician, like, I grew, he lives in a town called Chesapeake, Ohio, which is just right across the bridge from Huntington. And uh, so he, he, you know, keep in mind, we've been working on this album for like a year almost. And I asked him, I remember I was like way before this, I was like, man, I want you to be on a song. Like, he's like, no, man, he's done a bunch of harmonies and done the drums and stuff. He was on the album, but he's not like singing on the album, like as a lead and he never would do it. And, and I remember, texting him like he was one of the first people I texted when I woke up and I was telling him all these things like kind of halfway coherent still like man we got to do better and we got to like not hold grudges and we got to like quit wasting our time like I just remember like kind of like screwed up texting him because I was still in like sedation medicine because I just got freaking life support but um, two days before that and and I was telling him like all these different things and he's like I'm sending you a song. And I was thinking he was going to send me like a master mix of the album already. And it was not that. And I, he sent me lyrics to the song. And I swear, dude, and this is like some divine business because I, I don't think I'll ever be able to understand it. But the things that I was texting him when I first woke up were the words to the song that he had already produced, mixed and mastered and finished before I even woke up. They were the exact words. It's
1: crazy. Like,
0: like they were the exact words. And because I I remember texting me, I was like, dude, I feel like God called my bluff and told me, like, you really don't want to die, Alan. Like, come on, man. Like, you can you got this. Like, because like a lot of the mental health stuff you struggle, I struggle with with like I've tried to take my life a couple of times in my lifetime and really struggled with like self-harm and everything before I started going to therapy. But you know, I, I feel like God literally, like for some reason I texted Jeffrey. I was like, I feel like God called my bluff. And that's one of the lyrics word for word. And I, you can't make that stuff up, man. It's wild. Like.
1: Yeah. That's it's a, just, a, it just, some man. divine intervention there or something. There's no way that's a coincidence, you know, like, that's- like.
0: And on top of that, like I woke up to a GoFundMe that got started. Um, and there's in two days, there's $30,000 in it. And like, I don't know, I've, I tell the story when I can, when I have time, like the that, that in itself is insane to me, but like I've always felt like I've had kind of like some like almost like cosmic responsibility. I always call it that, but I don't know if it even makes sense that like, I, I grew up in church, so I definitely believe in God. I don't know if I believe I don't know why God does things that he does especially like with you know natural disasters and like people getting cancer and stuff I will never understand that maybe one day but in this aspect I can understand um like even when I was younger I was going to a church and it was a small little church in Ohio and uh we all went to this big mega church there was a bunch of churches that went to this big church for like a youth conference mm-hmm. and uh At the end of the service, there's the preacher guy at the end says, I want all the youth to come up on stage. We're all going to pray for you guys and we're going to lay hands on you and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, 2,000, 3,000 kids are going up and off the stage to go through this line, two lines of people. And there's, you know, one on each side and they're all praying and speaking in tongues and all that stuff that like if you grew up in church, you're kind of just used to. But um, there was a complete stranger when I was 12 or 13 that, you know, keep in mind there's a bunch of kids behind me and in front of me and we're all just kind of shuffling through. And and this guy taps on my shoulder and I just keep walking. And then he like really taps on my shoulder. And I just kind of looked at him with these big old eyes and he looks at me and says, he's a complete stranger. And he's an older man. I wish I was smart enough to realize who that was or ask because it's shown itself in my life so much, but He looks at me as a complete stranger and says, Alan, he didn't say Alan, but he said, you have no idea how much your voice and how much you're going to be on display and how much your words are going to influence people. He said, do not waste that. Do not take your time and do not take what you have for granted and, and for little it, what you say people are going to hear and they're going to listen to it. And dude, if I, I I've seen that manifested 3 billion times in my life and I had so much guilt about surviving almost because I know people that haven't survived it. And I know people that right now have cancer that, that aren't doing great. And I had guilt about it. And it's not that my life matters any more than theirs. It's just like, I wonder if like I have responsibility maybe that I'm supposed to be living still. And I've seen that manifested so much in my life. So I feel like with music and then this was just another way to amplify like guys, we got, there's something higher up there that we may not be in touch with. Like you might want to check base with that guy.
1: No kidding, dude. Or just listen to you because my gosh, the amount of, the amount of uh, interventions you've had, it's starting at 12 years old. That's crazy that he picks you out of a crowd like that. And then just has something come over him to tell you that, like that, that's, that's nuts. And I'm sure you probably didn't even process that till later on you know, down oh the line, gosh. but
0: yeah. Like I remembered that for forever, but I started really paying attention to it later as I got older and I was like, Oh my
1: gosh, who is this guy? That's crazy, man. And then not only that. So, I mean, you've, you've obviously, you know, got the chance to survive everything that you went through. And then I didn't know the fact that you uh, tried to take your own life. You said multiple times, um, if you're mm-hmm. comfortable, I mean, I would, uh, we talk about mental health a lot on this podcast. Um, so just to give you a little bit of background, uh, I'm fortunate enough, I don't suffer from any kind of mental illness, anxiety, depression, none of that. But uh, the lovely lady that I'm spending the rest of my life with does. Um, she's been you know, my high school sweetheart. We've been together forever, been married for um, four years. And she is very vocal about her struggles with depression and anxiety mm-hmm. and was diagnosed at a young age and um, kind of like you, I think that she kind of always felt the maybe that she should tell people about her you know stories and um maybe felt like she could connect with people and I said hey you know like no pressure but if you want to jump on here and do it you know hey if nobody if one person listens and connects that's one more than you know Mm -hmm. wouldn't have if you didn't say something and lo and behold she gets on here and the way that she articulates her story and everything that she goes through I'm like you know I fall in love with her all over again I'm like holy crap you know like this is so cool to hear how she handles things and you know i'm just kind of over there i'm just the the vessel that lets her get it out there and i'm just kind of talking about everything but we've had a really cool response and you know i'm i'm still blown away with how many people reach out about certain stuff like that but um if i'm not mistaken you you have spoken in public about your your struggles um not not music or anything related but mental health correct
0: yeah, always like um, whether it's like through different articles around like different newspapers or online or like even going to the high school that I went to, I try to speak
1: when I came there. Very cool. Yeah. Was it like, so the things that led you down that path, were you did it take you a while to get diagnosed? What was kind of the, um, I guess, if there was a breaking point that made you know, like, hey, maybe I need to do something about this, or, or you know, maybe some things in my brain aren't firing at the right capacity. Like, what was that moment that you were kind of like, man, I need to put my best foot forward and try and figure some of this stuff out?
0: Sure. I think I think I started self-harming in middle school, and it was very light and very, like, not big deals, but it was still, like, some way to harm myself and uh I don't want to say it's not a big deal because it obviously was and it definitely led to higher bigger things but I think I noticed it back then and in high school it kind of continued and and even into college but you know when people see me like and people that know me really well you know I feel like I kind of almost lived up to what people saw as far as like oh man he has like a great family and like Like his mom and dad are together and they made a lot of money and like he played sports and he's like the popular kid in school and like he has his shit together and like all that stuff. So I almost like felt like I kind of hit it myself because it was like, oh, why do I, I'm not, why do I even have to be sad? Like, I don't have anything to be sad about, but that's the thing is like, it's not mental health or mental illness doesn't pick and choose like people. It just is what it is because it's really just chemicals. It's like your chemicals are out of whack and not situated. So then that started affecting your thoughts and then your thoughts become your actions and your acts become your habits. And it's like, that that goes for anybody. That's why you, I mean, successful people kill themselves and hurt themselves and medicate themselves improperly. So I think my turning point was 2017. Uh, I just went through like a pretty crazy breakup where like, you know, I'm not obviously not gonna mention names but the girl that I wanted to marry, she cheated on me with a married guy who had kids. And like, it was like this big thing because like just how long we'd known each other and all that stuff. And I got really, really bad self-harming again. Like I kind of always had like over time, but back in 2017, 2016, 17, it was bad. And, um, I finally something had to give, I was struggling to be alive every single day. And, I think the breakup was what really pushed it over the edge and not to put that pressure on her. um, I think just the stress of all that is what really just, man, it just took me over the edge and in therapy, man, it blew my mind every day and still does it. I, I learned so much, even situations. I thought I had under control. Therapy just, it just helps. Like, I feel like everyone should go to therapy. I don't care if you think you have problems or not. It'll make you reevaluate so many situations. And also taking medicine, like the combination of talk therapy and medicine are beautiful and powerful things. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Like we get to live on this earth one time, twice for me now, I think, but like at least (laughs) at least at least one time. At minimum, like there's no reason to not take care of yourself and like be as happy and do as much as you can. Like, I didn't like who I was when I was becoming a recluse and staying away from. I'm a people person. I love people and people love me. Like, I was not that person ever till I started taking care of myself.
1: And that's that's beautiful to hear. You know, how, kind of how all that manifests itself, and then how your life. You know, not to sound cliche, how it's kind of come full circle. You know what I mean? Like you, you've got, I don't want to speak for you, but it's got to, you know, be feel like somewhat of a privilege to have literally and, you know, figuratively a voice to give people that, you know, an outlet to feel happy. Like, I mean, yes, you do have a great singing voice, but I mean, like literally getting the message out there, you know, like, that's, that's something that I'll, I'll never understand because I can't sing a note to save my life, but like, I didn't know anything about you prior to, you know, stumbling upon you. And then now we're going to be able to get, However many people listen to this are going to get to hear that story. And I, that's something that is a selfish thing that, you know, I, I love, you know, like I, if I have any kind of platform to show off something like that and, you know, let people know that it's okay to not be okay. Um, Uh and just to kind of touch on that, man, like you said, everybody should go to therapy. I've gone to therapy. And we've done marriage counseling. And let me tell you, that's a humbling experience to have a third party there that calls uh, you on your bullshit. Yes. <laughs> You're yes. like, oh, man, I'm perfectly fine. And then this person that has no skin in the game tells you how messed up you are. You're like, oh, shit, maybe I don't have it all together. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good reality check for sure. But, um, yeah, I mean, that, that's awesome. Thank you for, you know, divulging all that. I'm sure that that's uh, not easy to go back and, and touch on. But um, that's, there's a lot of people that need to hear stuff like that.
0: Yeah, man, it's a real thing. There's no reason to not take care of yourself. And it's one of the hardest things. This is the last thing I'll say is like, it's one of the hardest things is to be logical because everything feels like it's either crashing down or nothing feels like it even matters. So like why? And like, that's why I always bring out the logical point that helped me understand, like, why am I even sad? There's nothing wrong. I have everything I could ever ask for. It's like, you have chemicals in your brain that aren't right if you can get your chemical straight, that'll get your thoughts straight. That'll get your actions straight. It'll get your habits straight. Like, I don't know. It just makes sense.
1: Yeah, no, I completely understand the way when you put it like that, man, you know, it's each person's story is different and you know, people handle things differently, but I think I can speak for everyone. When I say that there's, um, you know, going down the path of hurting yourself or doing that is, you know, never the answer. And there's always somebody there that, you know, uh, those people you were mentioning earlier that say, let me know, you know, they, they mean it. So, they mean it. you know, reach out to them. There's plenty of them out there. Um, but okay. All of that aside uh, on a little bit of a lighter note um, I like to kind of wrap up each podcast that I have where I have, you know, the ability to, to interview somebody uh, I, I have a recurring segment where I ask them a question. It's like kind of rhetorical or excuse me, it's kind of a, figurative question you don't have to take it literal if you don't want to okay uh but uh if it's called if i could pick three to have a beer with me mm. so if you could at any point in time in history they could be alive they could be dead they could be fictional you know tv show character or something like that If you could pick three people to sit down have a beer with and just pick their brain about life and just talk to them and have a conversation like we're doing right now who would you pick and why
0: okay i'm glad you included fictional because it got me thinking a lot harder too it's already a hard question i've had um,
1: mike michael scott was an answer on here and i'm like oh, I, I guarantee it yeah i guarantee <laughs> it uh
0: i would say tito from rocket power oh wiggity woogity like wiggity woogity yes um <laughs> i want to talk to dave matthews so badly like i just want i i just have so many questions i just feel like he's just got life figured out um <laughs> then yeah who do i pick last Uh, i feel like i'm kind of copping out on this because he's sort of local but i listened to a few podcasts with the songwriter john r miller um and and just hearing him he's just so chill and relaxed and i just want to just talk to him about everything i don't know i just feel like he just just hugged me at the end of it like (laughs) right say tito
1: dave matthews john r miller well dude that is a a great table to sit at and, and you know crack a cold one because john r miller for those of you that don't know oh my gosh man like that is his that album just got released a couple weeks ago if i'm not mm-hmm. mistaken yeah mm-hmm. and you know faustina or whatever that song is oh my gosh yeah that, yeah. that hits oh looking for an X on the map. Like, Oh my gosh, hit the way that he just articulates things. I'm like, Oh man, this, this dude's got it all figured out.
0: He writes grown man songs is how I explain it. He
1: writes grown man songs. Oh, you're damn right, dude. I'm a huge fan for sure. But like I said, you're, you're neck of the woods, man. Y'all are just pumping out artists left and right. It's in the water around here, buddy. And I'm you know not, not blowing smoke up your butt, but you're certainly up there and I, I can't wait for, August the fourteenth. It's two days before my birthday, so it's an early birthday Heck gift yeah. for me. Heck yeah, appreciate that. But I'm totally um, playing that out. I know, dude. I it's see the divine intervention again, exactly. right? Exactly, cosmic <laughs> responsibility, baby. <laughs> well, man, I. I can't thank you enough for taking the time to do this and um I, I really am you know first and foremost i was a fan of your music but i'm a fan of you as well after thank you um, so
0: much man thank you to, thank you
1: getting to talk to you was was great and i'm sure a lot of people are gonna you know pull a lot of valuable information from this and if nothing else you've got a group of big fans from a small town in uh, texas named called midlothian so uh look it nice up. and uh, if you ever make it to uh our direction you'll have a, a crowd of people there to support you for sure that is
0: killer man i want to visit texas for multiple reasons i've been to san antonio but how close are you there
1: uh it's about four or five hours and this state okay, is big okay. big enough you can drive 10 hours and still be in texas sure so, uh, yeah that's wild but yeah man for sure if you ever come down this direction i will one hundred percent make the trek and I'd, I'd love to meet you in person but um other than that where can people find you um do you have a, a website got any merch anything like that that we can send them your way
0: absolutely man um all the social media everything that you do any kind of tweeting or facebooking or whatever and whatever um corduroy brown wv if you don't know how to spell corduroy it's cord u roy and you'll never forget it like that uh, I tell everyone that and the only reason i had to say it like that is because it's taken me so many t- times of writing to different people to figure out how to spell it properly so i still have to say cord u roy in my head to type it out right so <laughs> Look up Corduroy Brown, WV, on all the social medias, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff, YouTube, and then the website is corduroy-brown.com, and uh, yeah, there'll be all kinds of juicy, good stuff coming out in August, so I'm very excited.
1: Yeah, August 1st, you got another single coming out, uh, was it I Know Better? I Know Better, yes, yep, dropping that, and that is also the day that you can pre-order
0: the album as well, so
1: awesome and for those of you that don't know artists certainly uh benefit more from the purchases than the stream so if you can do that if you can spare the money i'm sure everybody would appreciate it but um alan corduroy the all the names that come along with mr brown it was a pleasure and i I really appreciate you doing this man and um i will make sure to plug everything that i can and uh best of luck to you and your journey and i can't wait for the album to come out man
0: thank you so much man it's been a pleasure (laughs)